We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, Jack Manuel. What's up, Jack? Um, good news, Nicholas. I'm feeling a lot better than a couple of days ago when we were recording. Uh, for a couple of reasons, you know, obviously Karis LeVert is going to be okay, but you did just get a new laptop, so I'm sure it's a combination right there. Oh, man, it's it, life is so much better when I can buzz at a more reasonable, like, doing it off my phone is fine, and I'm lucky that I have a decent enough phone, but being able to chat to you on, like, an actual laptop, uh, it's just the little things, you know, and <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you know, very happy to have Jack with his new laptop. And like you said, you know, very happy for Karis LeVert. Our last pod was on a terrible soured note, thinking that injury was going to be really bad and possibly, you know, hinder his career. But instead, he's going to be out a couple months. And actually, we're going to drop a pod about that with Matt Wynn, who discussed it from a medical perspective. That's going to drop a little bit before this one. But Jack, let's talk about tonight. The Nets did not show up against Miami. They lost the game 120-107. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I was sort of... There's this intuition that I think all of us fans of sport just have about our team, and we feel like we know what's going to happen. It's just an innate sense, and I just didn't feel uh, very good about this one. There was a part of me that also said, I'm like, oh, maybe if Alan Crabb starts, he could go, all right. Again, probably an intuition that I probably should have ignored, but uh, a lot of different things to come out of this one, Nick. I, I know you watched it uh, more closely. So for you, where was it lost, so to speak? I think the energy and the effort in the first quarter, 37 points of the heat in the first quarter, just things didn't go well. They started missing shots. They started getting lazy defensively. Then they you know, were able to make a, a run midway through the second, get it within 10 points, but they dug themselves in that hole. Big third quarter from the heat. You know, at the end of the fourth, you know, Shabazz has a nice little run himself, gets it kind of close, you know, within uh, 12 or 10. The Nets just didn't have the energy. They weren't making the shots. You know, Miami – like we talked about off the show a little bit, they're not a great team. The Nets just put forward a solid effort. They would have had a chance. Shooting 28% from three is not going to help. 8 to 28. At one point, I think the Nets were 25 of 72 from the field. They finished a little bit better at 40%, but just overall, just not a good enough effort to win the game. 
Yeah, one of those performances where just nothing clicked offensively. Um, I don't think you can really blame the Karis LeVert situation because I think everyone's processed that there was, you know, like we said, you know, an element of positivity to what resulted from it all. Um, and obviously Matt went into that with de- in detail with you. But what went wrong on the night in terms of other than energy? Uh, give me some details about, you know, some players' performances. How was D'Lo? How was Spencer? You know, that backcourt. What did Coach Kenny do in the absence of Karis LeVert? Yeah, I think uh, from the start, the starting lineup was different. You know, you had D'Angelo, Crab, uh, Harris, Dudley, and Davis. You know, obviously Davis against Whiteside makes sense. But I think playing Crab and Harris and then Dudley, it put a lot of pressure on D'Angelo to create. And early on, he was kind of pressing. He started the game, like I want to say, 1 of 10 or something. You know, not a very good percentage. He finished 6 of 18, which isn't great. He missed a lot of layups. He was kind of just... You know, just look out of sync, and the offense was just stagnant. I think some of that was, you know, lacking Karis LeVert out there. Some of it was guys not stepping up. And like you mentioned, Alan Crabb continues to struggle. Two of six from the field, fouled out of this game. He just, like, just looks very frustrated out there in general. It's just a tough performance to kind of watch him out there. We were hoping, like you said, that he'd kind of bounce back in the starting lineup. That wasn't the case. You know, Harris had a pretty solid game. Jared Dudley had okay moments. It was just like... Overall, there just wasn't a good enough effort, though, from, like, Spencer Dewitty and D'Angelo Russell. Spencer picked up in the second half, but in the first half, he didn't really do much. Same thing with D'Angelo. Yeah, well, you wanted to, them to put out their best performances when it really counts, and I guess the, the chemistry between D'Lo and, and Karras was really on in that Minnesota game. So, I mean, it's going to take a while for them to reconfigure that for the coaches as well as the players themselves, but... You know, we do have that guard depth. We, have, we still have Shabazz there and such. Um, were there any positives to take from the night at all, Nick? Uh, I got to see Rodion's play a little bit in the fourth quarter, so that's always fun. Uh, no, I mean, there's always <laughs> there's some positives. You know, Carroll kind of struggled, but you see him kind of getting some of the rust off. Ed Davis is always fun to watch. Like I said, Jared Dudley had a couple okay plays. Spencer was solid in that second half. Just like sometimes he's not aggressive enough in that first quarter and they really needed scoring. And like I said, D'Angelo did some things well. He also did some things bad. Like he's his, he has a problem like missing layups. And we've seen a couple times this season where there's shots he could just, just make at the rim and he doesn't. And, you know, like I said, Shabazz had a nice little run. We saw Kenneth Reed in this game actually get meaningful minutes, and I think this will kind of shut the Nets fans up for a little bit for asking for more minutes for him because he really didn't do much out there. He looked like an undersized big that missed a couple of layups. Yeah, for sure. Um, if you were Coach Kenny Nick, would you have put Alan Crabb in the starting lineup? I, I understand why he did. Like, I, I think, you know, Karis LeVert's out. You have an opportunity to try to boost Alan Crabb's confidence. It just didn't work. You know, moving forward, maybe they should change it. They should maybe go with Spencer or at least Amari Carroll or someone out there. Like I said, I think it puts a lot of pressure on D'Angelo Russell to create everything for the offense when he's really the only guy out there that can handle the ball. You know, Joe Harris isn't bad, but he's not a guy that you're going to run offensive sets for you. Yeah, completely agree. Um, I, I mean, I sort of expected it. It's sort of the, the name that fully sort of checks out. I mean, I'll probably, in time, like you mentioned, Damari Carroll started, you know, pretty much all the last season whenever he was out there. Still finding his footing, but, you know, he's savvy enough. And he, even at his floor, I think Damari still does enough good things. You know, we heard Sean Marks speak before the game about, and Coach Kenny as well, speak about Alan Crabb before the game saying that they had the confidence in him and just to focus on the defensive end. And, you know, a lot of players do that and the offense does come. Uh, it just hasn't happened for Crab. Um, in terms of that center position, Nick, you know, Ed Davis starting. Um, obviously, he still played, you know, 17 minutes, so he didn't play any really excess minutes that he normally does. Um, what did the Nets lack, obviously, in the absence of Jared Allen? 
rim protection. You know, they lacked in the Timberwolves game. I think there was a lot of layups at the rim for Miami. Some of that was just bad defense, but some of that is used to having Jared out there. You know, Ed Davis isn't a bad defender, but he's definitely not the help help defender or rim protector that Jared Allen is. And obviously that stuck out. Yeah, I mean, we I think it was Sarah, Sarah Kustok who said at the beginning of the Timberwolves broadcast, the, the game before that, like Jared Allen is the best rim protector statistically in the NBA right now. Um, so if you lose that, I mean, Jared Allen, obviously the it's still a very small sample size, but he has been absolutely phenomenal in that role that he's provided. And with him and Davis, we are, you know, a very strong core in, when it comes to that front court. But you add in Kenneth Fareed, who's still finding his footing and, you know, his role within the Nets organization. Um, I think we certainly did lack there. Um, but Rondé Hollis-Jefferson's game, Nick, on paper, doesn't look too bad. You know, Nelly gets a double-double, uh, you know, has a few assists, couple offensive rebounds. Uh, tell me about Rondé's night. Yeah, Rondé actually had an injury scare, too, uh, at the end of the second half around the same time that Karras got her, and he kind of went down awkwardly, you know, non-contact injury, but he came back in the second half. I mean, what I'll say about Rondé, he didn't play an excellent game. You know, he made plenty of mistakes, but he played super hard. You know, the energy was definitely there. There was a couple of layups he missed, defensive assignments he kind of messed up, you know, a couple of balls that kind of got away from him. But, you know, it, it was a good hustle performance from Rondé, but it's not enough that's going to get you a win. You know, it's not like the stats, I think, look a little bit better than the game he actually played. Yeah, uh, I think Rondé can have those nights. And he can also have those opposite nights where he's playing really well and providing some really good defense, but he's just not, you know, it's not reflected in the box score, which I would probably prefer, similar to like an MKG Marcus Smart type. Or Marcus Smart. I think Rondé needs to become, and this is just based off of his game in general, uh, like a sort of pure defensive stopper because in the absence of Trevion Graham, we don't really have really great defenders. And our defense has been very, very lackluster over the past couple of games. So, and obviously Karis LeVert as well, who has, you know, extended his game in that department as well before hit that injury. Um, Nick, were there, in terms of, would you play going forward? When does it get to the point where Rodion starts to get some more time? Or is it waiting to see sort of proposition for when Trevion Graham is back? Because then he can sort of soak up some of that front court minutes, whether it's at the three or the four. Obviously, he's undersized. But we saw plenty in the preseason where he would close games as well. So is it still Rondé? Um, it's going to be Rondé until we see Trevion Graham back? Or would you give some more minutes to Rodi? I think I personally would give some more minutes to Rodion's. I mean, I understand why Kenny wants to go with Rondé. It's like the guy he knows he wants to get him back in rhythm because obviously Rondé missed time. And then when Trevion Graham comes back, it becomes even more of a competition. But I think you do have to find minutes for Rodion's. Not because like he's so much more talented than the other guys, but the energy he brings, you can just see the spark that he has when he goes out there. He's just very fearless, goes in there for the offensive boards, pokes at the ball, you know, has some, he'll have a couple of rookie plays out there, but I think it's worth it. And I would kind of elect to go with him more, especially because he's willingness to drive as well. You know, that's something we're going to really miss with Karis LeVert not being in there. Rodion showed early in the season, he's willing to drive a little bit out of control, but I'd like to see him get more minutes. Yeah, I think I certainly would too. And a lot of other fans would as well. Um, he's been, in the glimpses that we've seen this season, including the preseason, he's been, you know, really great and exceeded, uh, exceeded our expectations. But is there a solution to this crab problem, Nick? What Does he need to go to the bench for Spencer or Damari? Can you see this changing anytime soon? You know, we spoke about last season and, and in comparison, but is there a direct correlation with that? Because... He hasn't shown really any signs of improvement. It's almost like he's plateaued of sorts and he's just a defender who can make a couple of threes. 
Yeah, and his defense, I'll say, is inconsistent as well. Sometimes he gets caught under screens, you know, gives up three-point shots, has dumb fouls. Like, uh, I, I mean, it's just kind of a wait-and-see thing with Crab. I think I would probably take him out. Maybe one more game starting or maybe two more games, you know, start him on these back-to-backs. doesn't work out, then I think you go with Spencer and you try to improve that chemistry with him and D'Angelo because that's your best bet for the next couple months without Karis Levert. You know, you can't really start Shabazz Napier at his size. You know, he'll get abused defensively. And like I said, I think it's putting almost too much pressure on D'Angelo when he's the only playmaker in the starting lineup. Yeah, completely agree. I think D'Angelo almost works better as an off-ball guard a lot of the time because he can, you know, he's good when he runs the ball up the court because he's a great facilitator, but then he can dish off to a guy like Karras because he has such great capabilities in that sort of sense as well. But in relation to Karras, Nick, obviously it provides really great opportunities for D'Angelo and Spencer. We saw Spencer relish that role last season in the absence of D'Lo and Jeremy Lin. Um, Now we're comparing to our two uh, cornerstone guards right now and Spencer and D'Angelo. Who do you think takes the opportunity by the bull, by the whatever the, uh, who do you think takes the opportunity the most out of these two? Because they've got a really great shot at sort of cementing themselves as being a future Brooklyn net for a very long time. Um, Because Karras isn't going to be back for a few months at least. So who do you think it's more important for? And who do you think personally will relish that opportunity? Well, I think it's more important for D'Angelo because I think he has more to prove. I think Spencer's already proven that he's a you know a very good backup point guard in this league, and that'll still get you paid in the summer. I think D'Angelo, there's still question mark. He's this hot and cold guy. Now, I really don't know who's going to capitalize on, on the opportunity more. You know, D'Angelo has the talents. It's a great opportunity for him to really show up, but it's also a lot of pressure, and Spencer, like you said, did it last year. And both of them, it's going to be a little bit different because they will have each other. So that combination, that chemistry is going to play a big factor. I guess if I was betting and I wanted to play the safe bet, I guess I would go with Spencer because we already saw him step up last year. But D'Angelo, it wouldn't surprise me if he was the one to take over because he does have more talent and there's more of an upside there. In terms of D'Angelo's game right now, Nick, what do you think he's doing well? What do you think he's not doing well? And what do you think will naturally improve? Well, that's a great question, Jack. I think, you know, there's it's very inconsistent because some games he's doing everything well. You know, there's games where he's, you know, passing, playmaking, shooting, you know, driving, playing solid defense. And then there's other games where he's not doing those things or he's doing one of the five things. So I think for him, just like consistency and getting to that level, I think he's done a good job of getting in the paint. You know, I don't mind the teardrop shot. Uh, I want to see him make his layups because, like I said, he's missed a lot of layups this season. Get a little bit more consistent from three. Stay active defensively. We've seen him poke the ball out numerous times. It's like it always happens in, like, the first quarter of the first half of the game. Like, D'Angelo, four quarters, get a couple steals, get yourself some easy layups, get things going. You know, I think sometimes also making sure everybody touches the ball and then maybe go to work instead of just trying to, like, go down the court and then score right away. He's still kind of trying to find his rhythm. So I think overall – most important thing for me is consistency and just stay consistent also on the defensive end if your shots aren't falling. Yeah, I think I would agree with pretty much all those points, Nick. I think aggression as well. I think he can be, like a lot of young guards, a little bit timid and sort of trying to find his way and overthink the game a little bit. I know Sam Bassini um, of The Athletic, and um, he's got a podcast as well, um, was saying that, and he's a great analyzer of young talent. He thinks that D'Angelo has lost a step. Um, and obviously we saw him, you know, very closely early last season when he, before that knee injury, do you agree or disagree with, uh, the comments that, um, Sam made? Uh, I will say also, and I've seen people on Nets Twitter point this out as well. So, um, you know, shout out to them as well, but 
D'Angelo wasn't the greatest athlete. I will say maybe he's a step slower, but he also plays a slow game. It's not like he plays a game with speed, so it's kind of hard to tell. I never was very impressed with his athleticism, even when he came, you know, his first couple games before the injury. You know, I think that's an area where he possibly can improve. I mean, it, you know, sometimes there's physical restrictions on you, but I just feel like there just needs to be a little bit more explosion in his game sometimes, especially with the way he's able to kind of change pace. If he was able to explode once in a while, it would throw the defense off. So I, I, I'd say I don't really know, to be honest. Yeah, that's completely fair. I mean, we look at these sort of guards who are, you know, all athletes in general who are quote-unquote subpar athletes. You know, they're not LeBron James or they're not, you know, whoever those or Giannis Antetokounmpo, but they still have a real effect. Guys like James Harden, Luka Doncic has been awesome this season despite the fact, you know, he's not an athlete. And, you know, even Nikola Jokic, they make up for it with elite elements of their game. And I think D'Angelo... I mean, this might not be that hot of a take, but I don't think he's elite in necessarily any area yet. He is a great passer, but he's not consistent enough of a passer, like you were mentioning about that consistency, to classify himself as elite yet. So um, his three-point shooting as well. I think Anthony Puccio um, posted on Twitter, he's one of the best guards in terms of the what he's putting up in terms of his box score and his uh, perimeter shooting. Do you think that's sustainable? I know you pointed out to me when we were chatting a little bit in the DMs that he has been a little bit hot and cold himself. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sustainable because he's just so hot and cold. Like I said, you know, tonight, 0 of 3. You know, the night against the Timberwolves, he was like 9 of 15. You know, the other nights he's 1 of 5, 1 of 6, then 2 of 5, 2 of 4. It's just like you don't really know. Obviously, not everyone's going to knock down the three-point shots every night, but it just feels like his game is so hot and cold where he has, you know, like you like to say, you know, his game has like a low floor and a high ceiling at the same time. So it's like you really don't know what you're getting into game to game, and that's not something you're looking for in your starting point guard. This is like why it's a big season for him because he needs to find consistency. And I see people on Twitter talking like, oh, the Nets don't want him to be successful or it's Kenny's fault. And like I said earlier in the season, some of it's on D'Angelo. Like, you have to make shots. Like, 6 of 18 is just not going to cut it. Yeah, I think he needs to be more efficient. And I think he could learn a thing or two from Spencer, who was uh, a, a massive volume shooter last season when he had that opportunity, but has tailored his, tinkered his game somewhat this season to be a little bit more effective and making the right shots and driving like an absolute madman. Um, when he does that, he looks at his most effective. And, you know, D'Lo is proving, you know, he's got, we know he's uh, great in that floater range. You know, he's got a decent pull-up shot. Um, that pull-up three needs some development. But I, I, I would also be a big fan of him sort of getting to the hole a little bit more, taking some more free throws, because um, I think that's when the Nets aren't a great free throw shooting team, but it just makes it easier and it puts pressure on the opposition to defend you when you keep on pushing, pushing, and pushing. That's what Karras has done so well this season. That's what has become a real elite part of his game. And I guess speaking of, of Karras, um, that piece by Zach Lowe was one of the best pieces. I mean, he, everything he writes is absolute gold, but um, some of the stuff in there was absolutely awesome. For you, Nick, does Karis LeVert provide us with a chance to attract free agents a la Kevin Durant and others? Yeah, well, just to touch on the Zach Lowe piece, like you said, Jake, that was an amazing piece, probably one of the favorite, my favorite pieces all year long, especially, like you said, from a guy like Zach Lowe. And it had a whole bunch of little tidbits in there, of like little sneak peeks at things. And like you said, 
I think Karras can help the Nets get, you know, a star because he's a two-way guy. You look at him as possibly maybe, you know, best case scenario, the second best player in a championship team and, you know, more in the middle of something as like your third best player. He's shown the ability offensively, defensively, do the small things when necessary too. He's not a guy who needs the ball a ton to be effective. We saw him run the break, you know, make cuts to the rim and stuff like that. And he seems like he's very likable. Like we talked about on the previous show, you know, I was surprised to see so many NBA people reach out to Karras when the injury happened. You know, he's not this flashy guy that has a big social media following or anything like that. You can just tell that he's well-liked around the league from all different types and as well in the organization. So I think Karras's character and his also playing the court should help him attract players. Now, KD, Nicholas, give us a – obviously, they're both with Rock Nation. Um, they're both – have a history uh, with each other. They've worked out together. They have a, a known relationship together. We're going to go down this route, obviously. We're going to go down a plenty this season. Um, but Kevin Durant, what do his chance have his chances increased for you since we've done some preseason pods? Or are they about the same? I would say one thing. Talking about the Zach Lopez, he mentioned that Katie loves Levert. And I mean, I'm not surprised about it, but it's not something I knew for a fact. And now it seems like something that's actually more realistic. And like you mentioned, you know, obviously Golden State and all that with Draymond Green. And it seems like Kevin Durant's more likely to leave. And, you know, the Knicks young players maybe aren't having success. This is the bigger destination in New York. And maybe he wants to come here. You know, there's been talk about the Clippers. I would say I wasn't very high in Katie possibly coming to Brooklyn uh, before the season. Now I at least have given it thought. So I'm not like confident in it, but I've given it thought as a possibility. Yeah, I mean, he's the free agent this season, if you want to classify Kawhi and Clay, obviously, who are still in that. But KD is, you know, 1A in terms of best player in the NBA. And despite, you know, all the rumblings that are happening in Golden State now, he is still one of the best players to ever step foot on the court. And I think the I think the reason partly why he, he vibes so well with Carol Silverta is because I think that they're somewhat similar characters in terms of, they're introverted somewhat, but they have this real desire and love for the game. And I think that that is part of the reason why Katie doesn't get along so well with a guy like Draymond. He doesn't want, you know, the attention. He's, you know, very secluded, it seems, from the outside looking in. You know, he doesn't really care. And I'm reading, I think it was CBS Sports, someone put out a tweet that was saying that, you know, even the team doesn't want to sort of lure him in free agency. They don't want to pitch to him because he doesn't seem like the best sort of quote-unquote teammate or like, you know, he doesn't fit well with, within the locker room. Whereas I think he would be a good locker room fit in Brooklyn because he'd be the guy, but he wouldn't have this huge amount of pressure on him like he would if he were to go to New York. So he's a different cat, KD. And I, I understand why he vibes so well with, with Carol Severt because he also was called Baby Durant as well back in his days in college in, in um, where was it again? Michigan. Yeah, they used to beat his teammates, and that's what they used to call him was Baby KD. So, I mean, all these things are are boding well for us Nets fans, but we can dream, and the fact that we can dream is is something that's really nice these days. But uh, did you happen to see Spencer Dinwiddie's quote? I mean, you sent it to me, so I'm sort of playing off the the fact (laughs) that you actually sent it to me in person. But what did you think of the Spencer Dinwiddie quote of, where he said, you know, KD, uh, not KD, Carol Savert is basically, you know, Coach Kenny's pet. Yeah, I knew me and Kenny always got along well. No, um, <laughs> uh, you know, I'm honestly, I'm not surprised. Like, you know, you can tell that he really, there was that one picture uh, um, posted on Twitter a little bit where you see Kenny. Oh, looking so good. At, yeah, you know what I'm talking about when Kenny's like looking at him with a big smile. But like, why would 
Karis Napi is your player if you really think about it. Like he plays hard both ends of the floor. He picked it up defensively. He took major strides. He was in the gym every day. They said he's such a genuine person. And in that Zach Lowe article, it talked about the relationship, how you know he accidentally FaceTime Karis on his birthday, and now him and Karis FaceTime every time every year on each other's birthdays. So it's just like Karis is just seems like a really, really nice guy, and he's a super hard worker. So it seems like you know he'd be the coach's favorite player. And he doesn't I mean, have much attitude either. Like, I've never really seen him get mad. We saw him what, get one tech this year, but I kind of liked it. Yeah, and I mean, Spencer has Spencer has this, you know, a slight arrogance smart about him. Smart ass and it's like, you know, little cockiness about him that I love. And I think all Spencer did when he fans love because he deserves to have that from where he's come from in terms of what he's built himself into being. Um, a little tidbit that I didn't really um, prepare you for, Nick, anyway, but... What have you thought of Spencer doing his kick game this season? Oh, I love the ones today. You know, shout out, you know, rest in peace, Stan Lee. You know, huge yes, part, part of my life. You know, growing up, I was a big Marvel Comics fan. I love X-Men. I love Spider-Man. You know, Avengers movies are part of my life still right now. But uh, I've, I'm just thinking it's great. You know, obviously, he's donating the shoes after the game, putting them up for auction and stuff. I love the creativity. You know, I haven't liked all the shoes, I'll be honest with you. But at least half of them have been really nice. Which ones haven't you liked? At Spencer Dibwitty, we can't have you on a podcast, but if you do hear this, you know, at OTG Nick is where he's at. Yeah, I'll give you a sneaker critiques if you want, but what do I know? Um, but I think <laughs> I really liked the ones tonight. You know, I thought the Stanley ones, I definitely thought it was interesting when they played the Sixers and he did like an Allen Iverson like shout out. It's interesting that he did the other team. Yeah, I love the Prince ones the other night in Minnesota as well. The fact that they had a little sparkle on them. I love me a bit of glitter. I love me something that, that sort of pops a little bit. And um, did you happen to see the ones that he wore to the Creed 2 premiere as well? I did, I did. Yeah, I saw those on Twitter as well. I, yeah. I thought they were really good. And for me, Nick, I'm, I'm loving what he's doing with the fact that of these new rules in the NBA right now where there are no limitations on what kicks, what shoes you can wear on the court. And, you know, 82 games, we're 15 games in, and he's changing it up every single night. It brings a new element of excitement. It adds to his social media game. I mean, he's already awesome on Twitter and Insta. But, you know, he's adding – and he's adding himself. He's getting, you know, more love from guys like, you know, Olivia, who's an awesome kick writer for OTGBasketball.com. And just the creativity, it's awesome to sort of, for him to have that outlet, get himself a bit of exposure because he deserves it, not just from Nets fans, but he's getting some love from, you know, around the NBA, around the Twitter sphere, because it's a really cool outlet. It's really um, creative, artistic in different ways. And shout out to his brand. I'm not 100% sure what it is, but uh, 67 more games to go and 67 more uh, opportunities to see some fire kicks from Spencer. Yeah, no, you mentioned creativity, and it, it is definitely a challenge, especially when you're worried about, like, the NBA season. Obviously, they have some free time, but 82 different sneakers. You know, that's yeah. not an easy task to come up with and design them all and make them all kind of theme for each event. So shout out to him. That's really cool. Talking Spencer, do you think he should be in the starting lineup? I'm, I'm hesitant partly, Nick, because... Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm sort of was weighing up. I'm like, well, who's going to be a sort of bench spark? I have confidence in Shabazz Napier to be that guy. So I would personally probably insert Spencer in just to see how it goes. I mean, the we spoke about it in earlier pods about this sort of plus minus. Um, I think you, you take of that what you will at such a small sample size. But now I think you want to have a secondary ball handler like you mentioned. And Spencer has started before and he's shown that he can be a real impetus there. Um, I wonder if it takes away from his role and his mentality because we saw last season 
and even earlier in the preseason as well, him sort of finding his footing. Uh, most players will struggle at, at times, or, or, uh, not necessarily struggle, but find it difficult sort of adjusting to different roles and sort of having to go fluctuate in terms of what is asked of them. Um, I would like to see it um, because he is a better player right now than Alan Crabb. He adds more value. Um, maybe not... I think he's decent defensively, but he adds way more value on the offensive end uh, and and especially in terms of us moving the ball and on the offensive end. And I think I have, if you want to increase Shabazz's minutes, I think Kenny needs to do that. I think there's a little, a, a couple of things where Kenny needs to start taking a few risks going forward because, you know, Karras isn't going to be there to bail him out anymore. And it's funny that, you know, just after, you know, 14 games, we're able to say that about, you know, a, a fourth year, third, fourth year guard. But I think he should be. That's just me. Yeah, I agree. I think if the Nets have any chance of staying competitive and getting in the playoff race, they need the combination of D'Angelo Russell and Spencer Dinwiddie to work. And their starting lineup, they're going to get the most minutes together. And I think it's important for the Nets to start game strong because they're not the most talented bunch right now, missing their best player. Now they're not going to be able to have these comebacks late in game or anything like that. They need to start strong and they need to get that relationship working. Yeah, and I think you can always stagger the minutes. I, I think it's going exactly. to be a work in progress in that sort of sense. If you want to see, you know, two ball handlers always on the floor at one time, try D'Lo and Shabazz. I don't think we've seen a combination. Saw it very slightly tonight, just a couple minutes. I I didn't, it wasn't enough where you could really take anything away from it, but I could see potential being in that. I'm just, the only thing I worry about Shabazz, like I mentioned, is tonight he got abused a little bit defensively. So that's, I think, preventing him from getting bigger minutes is just because of the size. But in small bursts, like he's just great. Yeah, and I mean, 26 minutes tonight still. I think that would probably be his season high, you know, off the top yeah. of my head. Um, so I think that he can easily play those minutes, you know, again and again because he's a great three-point shooter. He knows what to do. He just makes the right plays. And we've spoken, you know, again and again about his energy. But, Nick, what needs to happen for the Nets to... In fact, I'm going to go a long-term sort of uh, point here. If Karras isn't back by a certain point, do you think that the Nets should go down the tanking route? Obviously, that is the question. Uh, our boy Flatbush in Atlantic put out an awesome shirt with Coach Kenny on it. Um, by the time Karras gets back, you know, it could be his bobblehead night, which would be awesome. But by, you know, if it's February, March, um, do we tank for Zion, so to speak? I know uh, my brother and, and Nick using co-host JBT uh, are all in on the Zion experience. Yeah, I mean, Zion has looked amazing. So don't get me wrong. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a Nets jersey, but... I do think it's too early to tell. You know, the last game against Minnesota, obviously the team was emotionally, you know, terrible. And now this game, they just didn't come to play. They looked out of sync. So as to me, let's say by the end of the month, I'll have a better answer on that. I think if you can maintain competitiveness and just, you know, work with the culture, even if you're not going to make the playoffs, I think you kind of stay with it. But if things are just terrible, you know, D'Angelo's not working out, Spencer's not really stepping up. It might make sense to just trade some of the young guys, get some more picks going into the offseason with a lot of cap space, a top five pick, and you know things are looking nice. Even if they do tank, though, I don't think they'll be as bad as Cleveland or like Atlanta. Like It's going to be hard to be that bad with the players they have, especially with the veterans. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of those vets should and will be on their way out once the front office gets their shit together. But this is a Brooklyn podcast. We're not going to shit on other teams. We're just going to talk our own team up. But Nick, <laughs> any final thoughts before um, we we end this one? Yeah, Jack, I got a question. Do you think with Lavert being hurt that we could possibly see Musa in a little bit? Like, obviously, he has some playmaking potential. He can drive to the rim. He can give some scoring that we need, you know, the development probably hasn't been quite there. That's why we haven't seen him. But do you think the opportunity will pop up for him down the road? 
It could, Nick. I think, it, like you sort of mentioned about the tanking sort of question, I think it's going to come down to how he continues to improve within the G League. And he's done really well there. You know, I think him, Rodion's, I uh, love that he's got this budding bromance with my boy Mitch Creek. Shout out to all the Aussie NBA players out there right now. But um, I think it's going to come down to that. And, I mean, it's these mini experiences where he's playing some junk time can be good for him because it allows him to sort of know what is expected of him. But uh, I don't... I'd, occasionally, if there are times where you can be sort of thrown in with the Wolves, you know, I think that at times that can be a beneficial experience for some NBA players. You know, Rodion's was sort of done that uh, a, a little bit in the preseason. I would have liked that to have happened to, to Janan a little bit more. Uh, but obviously we were taking, you know, the preseason experience sort of working on the rotations and such. And he had the um, injury too. And the, and the injury, obviously, as well. Um, not being able to sort of get out there as much as he would have liked. So I personally would like to see it because, you know, Coach Kenny himself didn't think that Karras could be, you know, a, a ball handler and, and a floor distributor. We've seen Janan do it, you know, for his country in Bosnia and, and Nicholas Letourneau of NetsRepublic.com and Nets Daily has posted, you know, plenty of videos on that. So I'd like to see it. It's going to be a question of if Coach Kenny is going to have the confidence in him. Yeah, yeah, you mentioned, you know, we've seen the videos, we've seen the highlights of him doing it. I think the one thing probably holding him back is maybe physically he might not be ready for the NBA size-wise and just banging in there. He might not have the strength to do it. That would be maybe the one reason he's not out there because I think his skill set could help the Nets, even though very raw. It is something they're going to miss with Lover. It'll be interesting who really steps up in their game. I'm intrigued to see Jared Allen when he comes back. Obviously, he missed the last two games with illness. When he's back, if he tries to be a little bit more aggressive, knowing Levert's out. Yeah, Jared, you're going to get on that T, bro. And, you know, my, my next-door neighbor get has this airborne. Yes, definitely. Get all the right remedies into you. Get some soup. Get some nice tea. You know, for me, I'm a, I'm a lemon and ginger dude. My next-door neighbor, you know, uh, grows his own honey. That's, for me, I've been a little bit, you know, off of lately in terms of teaching. I need my voice, not just for podcasts, but for teaching. And I have a teaspoon of that honey every day. Gets the vocal cords nice and ready. And hopefully, uh, Jared Allen obviously doesn't need it, maybe for communicating on the defensive and offensive end. But hopefully he's back uh, against Washington because we don't want to see another 30-39 from Dwight Howard. Yeah, definitely not. And I know that game has a little bit more value to you, but uh, we'll save that for another day. As always, Jack, pleasure talking Nets with you. Check us out iTunes, Bobcock Radio, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and YouTube. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off.
Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.